Blog Talk Radio. Imagine the Jewish leaders, on the other hand, are just having a great time thinking Jesus is dead and buried and captive to a tomb. Little do they know that all of their efforts would only increase his influence and only validate his resurrection. It is finished, Jesus cried from the cross and then drew his last breath. A short time later, his body was lying in a tomb, his followers were scattered, and his enemies seemed victorious. But in three days, he rose again, changing everything. 
And today on Grace to You Weekend, John MacArthur shows you how Christ's followers reacted to the resurrection and what your response should be. Take a fresh look at the events at Calvary this Easter weekend. Make sure you understand what history's great turning point means for you. Stay here now as John looks at Matthew 28 and puts you on the scene of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Today in our study of God's Word, we come to Matthew's text on the resurrection. I'll ask you to open your Bible to the 28th chapter of Matthew. This is the great cornerstone of the Christian faith. Everything that we are and have and ever hope to be, all that we believe in is predicated on the reality of the resurrection. There would be no Christianity if there were no resurrection. Conversely, because there is a resurrection, all elements of our faith are affirmed as true in every sense. The resurrection, then, is the cornerstone of our faith. Now, let me note for you that each of the four gospel writers presents the resurrection, and each of them presents it in a unique way, picking out certain elements of the event of the resurrection to enforce certain spiritual truth from the mind of the Spirit to the heart of the reader. And as we go through Matthew's picture of the resurrection, we're going to draw from Mark and Luke and John in order to enrich and fill out the wholeness of the scene that we may appreciate all of its great truth. Matthew approaches it so interestingly. He approaches the resurrection through the emotions of a group of women. Their first emotion is the emotion of sympathy. This is the first thing we see, and we can identify with that. They had ministered with Jesus in Galilee. They had attended to his needs. They had provided food and hospitality and even money and resources for him and his traveling disciples as they carried on the Galilean ministry. They had descended the journey to Jerusalem for Passover with Jesus and his group. They had been there at the cross. They were there when he was buried. We saw them in chapter 27, verse 56, gathered at the cross. We saw them in verse 61, sitting opposite the tomb. And now they're back again the morning of the third third day, they are loyal, they are devoted, they are loving, and they are sympathetic. But no sooner do they approach the grave than the emotion of sympathy is transformed into the emotion of terror. And that's the second one that I want us to see. The emotion of terror. Verse 2 says, and behold, and that's a word to startle us, to shock us, to pull us up short, to make us realize that something dramatic has happened. There was a great earthquake. Now, this is the second earthquake in three days. There was an earthquake when Christ died, you remember, that split the rocks wide open and opened graves and dead people came alive among the saints. Now, what caused the earthquake? I suppose most people have just sort of concluded, well, the resurrection of Christ, but that's not the right answer. The resurrection didn't cause the earthquake. Matthew tells us what caused the earthquake. There was a great earthquake for or because an angel of the Lord descended from heaven. When this angel hit the garden, it created seismic waves. The word for earthquake is the root word seismos, from which we get seismograph. And when the angel hit the land, it sent out earthquake. And these women, not even knowing what was going on, felt the movement of the earth, no doubt, as they approached the tomb. But the earthquake was not caused by the resurrection of Christ. It was caused by the arrival of an angel to open the tomb. 
Nothing, by the way, says that he let Jesus out of the tomb. I mean, Jesus did not have the power to raise himself from the dead and then wait in there till somebody moved the stone <laughs> so he could get out. So there is the angel. He descends from heaven. He came, verse 2 says, rolled back the stone from the door, sat on it. So these women who have walked through an earthquake arrive at the garden. They come into the garden and they see, they see the tomb is open. The stone is rolled back. Now at this point, we have to digress to John's gospel to insert what happens. Because I believe this is the proper point to harmonize John's special interest in Mary Magdalene. What happens here is fascinating. The women come into the garden, and I think this is the best place to insert this, although we can't be dogmatic, it seems to me to fit so perfectly here. When Mary comes in, all she sees with her rather myopic viewpoint is this hole and the stone is gone, and she doesn't take note of this angel. And seeing that the stone is moved and the grave is empty is enough for her. John tells us her reaction. Let's look at John chapter 20. The first day of the week comes Mary, and then he notes they started out when it was yet dark, unto the sepulcher and sees the stone taken away from the sepulcher. Now, apparently that's all she saw. She missed the angel. She saw just that the stone was removed. And then verse 2, then, without a delay, she ran. She took off. And she went right to the two most prominent apostles. She went to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved, which is John's term used to describe himself. And the fact that it's to Peter and to the other disciple probably indicates they were in two different homes during this Passover time. We can't be certain. But anyway, she ran to Peter and John to tell them. And what did she tell them? They have taken away the Lord out of the grave, and we know not where they've laid him. They've taken him. They, I don't know who they are. She didn't know who they are. Somebody. Peter, therefore, went forth, and so did John. And they came to the grave. Verse 4 says, they ran, and John outran Peter and arrived first. Now, we'll leave that story. Let's go back to Matthew. So as we come to the women then in the confrontation with the angel, Mary Magdalene is apparently gone. She bolted to tell Peter and John that the body had been stolen. The other ladies stayed. And they have the wonderful experience of an encounter with an angel. The angel is described for us in verse 3. His countenance or his face was like lightning. This beautiful, glorious, glowing, pure, holy being sitting on the stone as living witness to the risen Christ, God's own assigned witness. And verse 4 says, For fear of him, the guards did shake. And it uses the same root word that's the word for earthquake in verse 2. The earth quaked and then it stopped and the guards didn't. <laughs> they are still experiencing a personal earthquake. They were there to make sure nothing happened, but something happened they couldn't have anticipated. And not only did they quake, but they became as dead. They went into temporary coma. They were knocked literally unconscious out of terror. Fear will do that. Fear will cause people to be paralyzed to the point where they go unconscious. 
And that's precisely what happened. They were knocked cold out of fear. They were victims of divine power. They had seen something they had never seen or thought of or ever been able to comprehend, and they were not now able to comprehend it. You say, were the women afraid? Yes, the women were afraid, but they were sustained by the angel himself. He gave no ministry to the unbelieving guard. He reached out as the agent of God to minister to these women. Verse 5, and the angel answered and said. By the way, I want to note, sometimes you read that in the Bible, the angel answered and said, and you say, well, nobody asked a question. That's right. A better way to translate that would be the angel explained and said. Some things need explaining even though someone isn't asking. And this one did. I mean, this definitely needed an explanation. Where is Christ and what are you doing here? And so he explained to the women. This is what he said. Stop being terrorized. Stop being afraid. There's no reason to be afraid. Now, remember, Mary Magdalene is gone, but the rest are there. She's right now on her way, running to try to find Peter and John. Meanwhile, the angel calms the fears of these ladies. The soldiers had reason to fear when Christ arose, but those who loved him had no reason to fear. So he says, stop being afraid. And then this, for I know that you seek Jesus, who was crucified. I know why you're here. Wasn't that a comforting word? Oh, he knows us. Well, he knows what we're coming here to do. That's a comforting thing. Yes, I know why you're here. You seek Jesus. They came to find a corpse, folks, not to see a resurrection. They came out of devotion to anoint a dead body, to put spices. And I suppose if it had been us, we'd have said, Oh, you unbelieving women, you of little faith. And maybe a rebuke against their feeble minds and weak faith. Seem more in order. But no, God is so gracious. Their faith was weak. Their understanding was feeble. But God is ever gracious. And they loved the Lord Jesus Christ. And even in the moments of their doubt and despair, God recognized that love and responded in grace. And he says, I know you seek Jesus who is crucified. Be comforted in this. He is not here the Greek text says he was raised. And the word is a word to indicate resurrection from the dead. There's no question that he was dead. That's why the soldiers who were experts at death didn't break his legs. He was already dead. They thrust a spear into his side, penetrating the sack around the heart, and out came the blood from his heart and the water from the pericardium. He was dead. And lying in that tomb for this the third day, no question he was dead. But now he was raised. He was raised. It's an heiress passive. And the Bible emphasizes that he was raised by the power of the Father. Over and over again it says that in Scripture. Romans 6, 4, Galatians 1, 1, 1 Peter 1, 3, a couple of those I mentioned to you. He was raised by the power of the Father. It also says, doesn't it, in John 10, 18, I have power to lay my life down and I have power to what? Take it up again. So he was raised not only by the Father, but he was raised by his own power. And then in Romans 8, 11, it says he was raised by the power of the Spirit. It is the Spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead. So the whole Trinity is involved in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And the angel gives this incredible announcement. He's not here. He was raised. The point is he's alive. And then I love this. He was raised 
It says, as he said. Isn't that great? I mean, he just jolts them with the memory that this is exactly what he said he would do on the third day, just like he said. And by the way, Luke 24, 8 says, and they remembered his words. So that's what he meant. So that's what he was saying. And then the angel says, verse 6, come, see the place where he lay. Then Luke 24, 4 says that first angel was joined by a second angel. One at the head of where the body lay and one at the feet of where the body lay. Beautiful picture. Do you remember the Ark of the Covenant in the Old Testament on the top had the mercy seat where atonement was made for sin and on both sides it had angels? And here with an angel on one side and an angel on the other side and Christ in the middle is the true mercy seat where Christ has offered the satisfaction for the sins of the world. And then John tells us in his gospel about these two angels being positioned there. Chapter 20, I think it's verse 12. And I see in that that emblem of the mercy seat. The angel then concluded back in verse 7 of Matthew 28 with a command. He said, and go quickly. This is not a time to be wasted at the tomb. This is not a time to hang around. Fascination has to give way to proclamation, right? Go quickly and tell his disciples that he's risen from the dead. Now, again, you know, I thought to myself as I was reading this, boy, my temptation would be go and don't tell his disciples. They're not here. They're going to pay for it. <laughs> Those blockheads, this time they're going to miss out, and I'm not going to tell them. They need a week of pain. <laughs> then we'll tell them. But that's not the heart of the Lord, is it? Those disciples, oh, they were vacillating, they were weak, they were witless, they fled, they denied, they abandoned the Savior, and yet he says, I don't want them to know a moment's anguish or a moment's misery or a moment's grief. I want you to go as fast as you can and tell them Christ is alive. That's grace, isn't it? What grace that is. Tell his disciples he was raised from the dead. Listen very carefully. Why were the women the first to experience the angel? Why were the women first to see the risen Christ? Oh, I read on that. I thought, I'm going to examine that. And I read many, many things. One writer said, because God chooses the weak to confound the strong. We don't want to go any further with that point. <laughs> another writer said, another writer said, God rewards the faithful. And um, they had served the Lord in the past, and so they were to be specially rewarded. Another writer said, death came by a woman in the garden, so life comes to a woman in the garden. It's a nice, a good, good sentiment. <laughs> Someone else said, the deepest sorrow deserves the greatest joy. Another said, supreme love deserves supreme privilege. You want to know the truth? You know why those women were the first to see the angel and the living Christ? Because they were there. <laughs> That's right. Isn't that profound? I mean, if you're not there, you're not going to see it. I mean, they were there, so they saw it. If anybody else had been there, they'd have seen it. I mean, you don't have to get too profound in some of this. You know what that says to me? And I don't want to extrapolate too much on this, but it's nice if you're there when the Lord does wonderful things. 
There's a great spiritual truth in that somewhere, and that is that the closer you stay to the Lord and what He's doing, the more you're going to enjoy what it is He's doing. I don't know about you, but I'd rather be there and experience it than hear it from somebody else, wouldn't you? I praise God for people who are there. I mean, they're there when the Lord is working. They're there when His people gather together. They're there when His Word is taught. They're there when it's time to come to your knees before Him. They're there when it's time to call on His power in ministry. And they're the ones that experience firsthand the moving of the power of God. No, they saw it because they were there. I trust that you will be the kind of person like those women. What you may lack in faith, you make up for in devotion. What you may lack in understanding, you make up for in loyalty. And God will confirm your weakness and turn it into strength because you're faithful enough and loyal enough to be where He is and where He's moving and where He's working. Let's bow in prayer. We thank You for the example of these women. We thank You for the pattern of their sympathy to one they loved so deeply, even demonstrating love to a Savior they thought was dead and utterly unable to help them in any way, that being the truest measure of love, love that loves and gives sacrificially when it knows there can be no return. So did those women love. Father, teach us to be like those women, to be so faithful, so devoted, not to a Christ we assume to be dead, but one we know to be alive, to be in the place where he moves and works and shows his power. And may the resurrection be believed for the truth that it is. And in believing that Jesus lives, may we know that by faith in him we live also. We pray in his name. Amen. This is Grace to You Weekend with John MacArthur. Thanks for being with us. Today, John showed you the different ways people reacted to the empty tomb and what your reaction should be. It's part of his study titled The Resurrection of Jesus Christ. Now, John, as we saw today about the women who came to the empty tomb, it was their loving devotion to Jesus that drew them there. And that's an example we should all follow. But the truth is, with the busyness of today's life and the trials we experience, and frankly, simply because of our own spiritual weakness, our devotion to Christ is not always what it should be. So, John, how do we keep the distractions of this life away from our passionate pursuit of Christ? You know, there's no, there's no secret to this. You have to be in the Word of God. You'll forget about Christ if you're not looking at Him. So you go to the Word of God. You make sure that you are in His Word uh, regularly, routinely. The Word reveals Christ. It manifests His glory in so many ways. I think you should start every day with the Word of God, setting the thought patterns for that day, a good look at the Lord Jesus Christ. So there's nothing secretive. There's nothing particularly mystical or sort of hyper-spiritual about that. You just need to have the truths concerning Christ fill your mind. We can help you launch on that, I think, in a wonderful way. I wrote a book some time back called Remember and Return. Remember and Return, subtitled Rekindling Your Love for the Savior. And this is a great way to start back into focusing on Christ. It's a 31-day devotional book, okay? 31 days, 
to remember and return, rekindle your love for the Savior. It'll take you into the book of Revelation, where Jesus commended the Ephesian church for their good deeds, their rejection of false idols and false prophets, and their perseverance through trials. But they had drifted away from their first love of Christ. Jesus warned them what would happen if they didn't rekindle that love. We all need that. Remember and return will help you begin a fresh new approach to loving Christ. Again, 31 daily readings, each designed to help you see the glory of Christ in a fresh way and respond appropriately to it. Every entry has an explanation of a text of Scripture, application and reflection questions, and even suggestions for prayer. Here's the best news, and this is really good news. If you've never contacted this ministry before, we'll send you a free copy of Remember and Return. All you have to do is ask for it. That's right. If you've never contacted this ministry before, we'll send you a free copy of Remember and Return. Just let us know you want one. For the rest of you, obviously, it's available. You can order it at a very reasonable cost. In either case, call us today. Call, email, send your request by regular mail, and we'll respond. Yes, this book also makes an ideal gift for anyone you know who has lost his zeal for the Lord or who has begun to wonder if he's saved. To pick up a copy of Remember and Return, again, it's free if it's your first time contacting us, get in touch today. Our phone number here, 800-554-7223. And that number is easy to remember as 800-55-GRACE. You can also take advantage of this offer at our website, gty.org. Remember and Return can help you make sure your love for Christ doesn't become cold and lifeless. It's a practical resource that will focus your mind on who Jesus is and all that he has done for you. Again, we'll send you Remember and Return for free if you've never contacted us before, just call our toll-free number, 800-55-GRACE, or go to our website, gty.org. And to keep up to date on all the latest resources and news from Grace to You, follow us on Instagram and Twitter, or find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash grace to you. And now on behalf of John MacArthur and the entire Grace to You staff, I'm Phil Johnson. Thanks for making this broadcast part of your day. And make sure you join us again next week. John's going to look at how you can know true joy even in your darkest days. He's beginning a study titled Benefiting from Life's Trials. Don't miss another 30 minutes of unleashing God's truth one verse at a time on Grace To You Weekend.
What is the gospel? This is Ken Ham, an Aussie transplant with a passion for sharing the truth of God's word. When many people talk about the gospel, they describe some kind of self-help message. But that's not the biblical gospel. The true gospel is grounded in God's word. The first man God made, Adam, was given a choice to obey God. He chose rebellion. And the punishment is death. Because we sinned in Adam and continue to sin, we all will die. But Jesus Christ stepped into history and died in our place, taking our penalty for us. He then rose from the grave, conquering death. If we turn from our sins and believe in him, we will be saved. We can't save ourselves. Only Jesus can save us. And that's the good news. Discover the hope of the gospel on our website at AnswersRadio.com and listen to this program again, view a transcript, or find other programs like it at AnswersRadio.com.
confessing sin to plants? This is Ken Ham, the president of the ministry behind the popular Answers Bible curriculum. Last year, a seminary in New York made headlines with a tweet showing students confessing their sins to plants. Yes, these students actually confessed what they called climate sins to potted plants. You know, this is pagan, and it doesn't do any good. Like the idols described in the Old Testament, those plants aren't listening, and they aren't forgiving you. Really, this is a perversion of the gospel. Their hope and trust is in Mother Earth and to our ability to stop a perceived man-made climate change. But our only hope should be in Christ and his completed work on the cross. As scripture says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just and will forgive our sins. Subscribe to receive free insights from Ken Ham, delivered to your inbox each day when you visit our website at AnswersRadio.com. The place to visit is AnswersRadio.com. Yeah. Yeah. 
A gospel of social justice? This is Ken Ham, and our popular life-size Noah's Ark is located in northern Kentucky. Many Christians are now preaching a gospel of social justice. In this view, our job is fighting poverty and racism while caring for the environment. Of course, these are good things we should be doing. After all, they're mandated in Scripture. But what's missing from this social justice gospel is, well, the gospel. We can help people, but if we aren't also sharing the gospel, what's the ultimate point? The problem every person has is sin. We're all sinners in desperate need of a saviour, and people need to know who that saviour is and how to be saved. So let's care for the poor and the environment and fight racism, and let's do it while we preach the gospel. Plan your visit to the Ark Encounter and our full-size Noah's Ark at AnswersRadio.com and listen to this program again or view a transcript when you visit AnswersRadio.com. And this to you, I really hope you hear my heart When thinking about describing you, I really don't know where to start Can't start at the beginning, cause you are before the beginning Way before the beginning, and this fallen world's distorted opinions It was just the holy trinity, ruling from infinity Glory blazed tremendously, loving one another endlessly Billions and billions of years ago, outside of what we know as time Nobody else was there to know, but Lord, here's the thing that blows my mind As long ago as that was Long ago as that was, you have not changed, Lord, oh Lord, Lord, Lord. As long ago, as long ago, as long ago as that was, you're still the same, you have not changed. What can that mean? But my God is immutable. Immutable, you are beautiful, you never change, you remain the How you reign supreme by far Not just because of what you do But simply because of who you are There's none like you in existence You are God and you need no assistance Even though we show you resistance You sent Jesus to close the distance That existed between God and man According to your sovereign plan We changed many times in one lifespan I've changed even since this song began Lord, I'm so glad that you're not like us All that you do will certainly last You are the rock that we can trust Shows us back in eternity past As long ago as that was as long ago as that was, you have not changed, Lord, oh Lord, Lord, Lord. As long ago, as long ago, as long ago as that was, you're still the same, you have not changed. What can that mean? But my God is immutable. Immutable, you are beautiful, you never change, you remain the Immutable, beautiful, you never change, never change. Forever you reign, you remain the same. You will never change, you will never change. Immutable, beautiful, you never change, never change. When 
when I think about my ups and downs, all of my inconsistencies, all of my idiosyncrasies, still you pursue relentlessly, at times I wonder how this can be, surely it's because of the cross, when Jesus paid the full penalty, and bore the burden of sin's great cost, I'm saved by grace and faith in God, I look to Christ and I trust he died, so even though I'm being sanctified, I can't be any more justified, his work is finished that cannot change, and with this knowledge I am free, forever this grace it will remain, because of what happened on Calvary. As long ago as that was, as long ago as that was, you have not changed, Lord. Oh, Lord, Lord, Lord. As long ago, as long ago, as long ago as that was, you're still the same. You have not changed. What can that mean? But my God is immutable. Immutable, you are beautiful. A gospel of social justice? This is Ken Ham, and our popular life-size Noah's Ark is located in northern Kentucky. Many Christians are now preaching a gospel of social justice. In this view, our job is fighting poverty and racism while caring for the environment. Of course, these are good things we should be doing. After all, they're mandated in Scripture. But what's missing from this social justice gospel is, well, the gospel. We can help people, but if we aren't also sharing the gospel, what's the ultimate point? The problem every person has is sin. We're all sinners in desperate need of a saviour, and people need to know who that saviour is and how to be saved. So let's care for the poor and the environment and fight racism, and let's do it while we preach the gospel. Plan your visit to the Ark Encounter and our full-size Noah's Ark at AnswersRadio.com and listen to this program again or view a transcript when you visit AnswersRadio.com. Yeah, Soli Deo Gloria. <laughs> it's like deja vu, right? Hey, yo, I'm back, but nobody was asking where I've been Cause Christ in the music is no longer the hot trend Logic says, well, maybe I should just stop then But I never got into this for a spot in the top ten I do this for one reason, Jesus the true king, son To help God's elect obey Hebrews 3.1 And though the rap world is ever crowded If heaven allows it, I'll keep writing for the 7,000 I know you out there, I still get the emails Against the church of Christ, the gates of hell will never prevail It's founded on the rock, and the gospel never stops So we dropping the topic, whether it's popular or not Sin is not just toxic And the clock is going to stop God is not to be boxed With the wrath of God is burning hot We were locked in sin's closet Our conflict was cosmic God plotted to stop it Hit the demonic with a shot I was copping narcotics Agnostic with a plot No optics for the knowledge Of the God who often not Jesus rocked me with the gospel And it tied me up a knot So I hopped in a rocket And met the prophet at the top Yo That's just another way of saying I met God in the scriptures But we just going to let that breathe For a second You know what I mean The Bible says He was forgiven much Loves much we gonna talk about BC a little bit. My depravity was total, not small like pops. I was chained to sin, I couldn't take off the locks. 
I thought I was a player, a match with the flavor. Say I know what the time is, but I ain't bet Isaiah. I would chuckle daily as I paid for disgrace. My eyes were always puffy like I got sprayed with mace. I would toot my horn at parties, and I would do bars. Got so intoxicated, I was ready to do Mars. Notorious for acting pretty silly in my city, Philly. Friends hear about it and be like, whoa, did he really? Because I played dirty, Bill Lambeer style. Through great mercy, spirit-filled and dear child. Went from so gritty to headed to a gold city. In Christ I shine, the world's like no biggie. Whatever time to sing, I'm putting faith on the song. 112, displayed in John, the way to respond. When his patience runs out, then it's time for the ride, man. Microwave, wrath of God, fam. That's why, because of Christ, I got mad joy. All I'm saying is I used to be a bad boy. But nowadays, I'm regenerated, born again from above, fam. How else can I say that? Went from various vices to a kid that's married to Christ, using literary devices to spit is very precise. My conversion to the master was so dramatic. I just wanted to be an ambassador or fanatic. The gospel was my tonic. With Christ, I couldn't lose. But to walk with God like Enoch, I knew I couldn't cruise. This walk is a beast, but nothing's greater than the cross. Saw the mark of the east and the raiders of the laws. While Tower Records was choosing to carry G-Unit, I was on that revolutionary theme Music. The brothers from the Lou held it down as well But we noticed a big shift in 2012 Around the time Jackie asked me about Calvinism Christian hip-hop found a different algorithm And crossed over without taking the crossover Made us all sober years later, is it all over? Trip asked me if I was still motivated I was quiet, but I wanted to say no, I hate it Cause brothers in your camp causing lots of confusion I love them as brothers in Christ, but not their conclusions They want to reach the world by all means, keep pursuing it But tell me, why they got it? This the church while they doing it That's what I wanted to say But I ain't say it though But no more laying low I want them to play it slow And I ain't dissing them My prayers are the proof Like Boaz without Ruth Is unity without truth CHH is like gorillas in the mist With no brotherly love It's like Philly don't exist What's happening here? It's a different atmosphere Cats appear most concerned About a rap career Brothers overseas Being slain in the sand While we're vain in our plan Taking fame and some fans And I ain't got time to philosophize Satan got a plot Device. I'm seeing lots of guys apostatize. On top of all that, Donald Trump's the president. It's all good though, cause Jesus Trump's the president. So more than ever, I'm trying to rep the Lord who bled. And we ain't never gonna stop. Word to Corey Red. I'm just trying to give a healthy demonstration of theocentric music for the selfie generation. See, the problem is sin, no riddle in it. Cause all sin got I in the middle of it. We're mad to praise and truly evil. We need to be born again without a Matt Damon movie sequel. In the gospel, God is Stresses are depravity, the lamb slain at Calvary, the depths of his agony. He rose from the grave with the funding grace, and when we come in faith, he'll bring us up from the sunken place. Our sins decrepit, depths left the mess, no rest was left till Jesus put death to death. The beauty of the victory truly is a mystery. The cross of Jesus Christ is at the nucleus of history. Before the cross, they were saved on credit. After the cross, we've been saved on debit. Since our champion in the great war suffered, we gon' proclaim his death like the Lord suffered. So welcome to the Still Jesus Project, yo, we just getting started and we got a lot left. Should we make judgments? This is Ken Ham, author of The Lie Evolution and with a passion for sharing God's word. Have you ever said that something is wrong only to be told, don't judge? It's popular today to believe that everyone should just be able to do what they want. And if you disagree, well, that's being judgmental. Now, this makes sense in today's culture. It has no foundation to say something is right or wrong. Culture has only opinion, and opinions can vary. 
But Christians have an absolute foundation, God's word. We shouldn't make judgments about morality based on our own opinions. They should always be grounded in God's word. And we must continue calling sin what it is. Because people need to know they're sinners if they're ever going to turn to the Savior. Discover truth from God's Word and the hope of the Gospel when you visit our website at AnswersRadio.com. Be equipped and encouraged when you go to AnswersRadio.com. Deja vu, right? Hey, yo, I'm back, but nobody was asking where I've been Cause Christ and the music is no longer the hot trend Logic says, well, maybe I should just stop then But I never got into this for a spot in the top ten I do this for one reason Jesus, the true king, son To help God's elect obey Hebrews 3.1 And though the rap world is ever crowded If heaven allows it, I'll keep writing for the 7,000 I know you out there, I still get the emails Against the church of Christ, the gates of hell will never prevail It's founded on the rock, and the gospel never stops So we dropping the topic, whether it's popular or not Sin is not just toxic And the clock is going to stop God is not to be boxed With the wrath of God is burning hot We were locked in sin's closet Our conflict was cosmic God plotted to stop it Hit the demonic with a shot I was copping narcotics Agnostic with a plot No optic for the knowledge Of the God who often not Jesus rocked me with the gospel And it tied me up a knot So I hopped in the rocket And met the prophet at the top Yo That's just another way of saying I met God in the scriptures But we just gonna let that breathe For a second You know what I mean The Bible says He was been forgiven Much loves much we gonna talk about BC a little bit. My depravity was total, not small like pops. I was chained to sin, I couldn't take off the locks. I thought I was a player, a match with the flavor. Say, I know what the time is, but I ain't bet Isaiah. I would chuckle daily as I paid for disgrace. My eyes were always puffy like I got sprayed with mace. I would toot my horn at parties, and I would do bars. Got so intoxicated, I was ready to do Mars. Notorious for acting pretty silly in my city, Philly. Friends hear about it and be like, whoa, did he really? Because I played dirty, Bill Lamb beer style. Through great mercy, spirit-filled and dear child. Went from so gritty to headed to a gold city. In Christ I shine, the world's like no biggie, whatever time to sing, I'm putting faith on the song 112, displayed in John, the way to respond When his patience runs out, then it's time for the ride, man Microwave, wrath of God, fam That's why, because of Christ, I got mad joy All I'm saying is I used to be a bad boy <laughs> But nowadays, I'm regenerated Born again from above, fam How else can I say that? Went from various vices to a kid that's married to Christ Using literary devices, the spit is very precise My conversion to the master was so dramatic I just wanted to be an ambassador or fanatic The gospel was my tonic With Christ I couldn't lose But to walk with God like Enoch I knew I couldn't cruise This walk is a beast But nothing's greater than the cross Saw the mark of the east And the raiders of the laws While power records were choosing to carry G-Unit I was on that revolutionary theme music The brothers from the Lou held it down as well But we noticed a big shift in 2012 Around the time Jackie asked me about Calvinism Christian hip-hop found a different algorithm And crossed over without taking the cross Sober, made us all sober Years later, is it all over? Trip asked me if I was still motivated I was quiet, but I wanted to say No, I hate it Cause brothers in your camp Causing lots of confusion I love them as brothers in Christ But not their conclusions They want to reach the world By all means, keep pursuing it But tell me, why they gotta diss the church While they doing it? That's what I wanted to say But I ain't say it though But no more laying low I want 
want them to play it slow. And I ain't dissing them, my prayers are the proof. Like Boaz without Ruth is unity without truth. CHH is like gorillas in the mist. With no brotherly love, it's like Philly don't exist. What's happening here? It's a different atmosphere. Cats appear most concerned about a rap career. Brothers overseas being slain in the sand. While we're vain in our plan, taking fame in some fans. And I ain't got time to philosophize. Satan got a plot device. I'm seeing lots of guys apostatize. On top of all that, Donald Trump's the president. It's all good though, cause he's a Trump's the president. So more than ever, I'm trying to rep the Lord who bled. And we ain't never gonna stop working. The Corey Red. I'm just trying to give a healthy demonstration of theocentric music for the selfie generation. See, the problem is sin, no riddle in it. Cause all sin got I in the middle of it. We're mad to praise and truly evil. We need to be born again without a Matt Damon movie sequel. In the gospel, God addresses our depravity. The lamb slain at Calvary, the depths of his agony. He rose from the grave with abundant grace. And when we come in faith, he'll bring us up from the sunken place. Our sins, decrepit depths, left the mess. No rest was left till Jesus put death to death. The beauty of the victory truly is a mystery. The cross of Jesus Christ is at the nucleus of history. Before the cross, they were saved on credit. After the cross, we've been saved on debit. Since our champion in the great war suffered, we gonna proclaim his death like the Lord suffer. So welcome to the Still Jesus Project. Yo, we just getting started and we got a lot left. The Gospel. Hope for Eternity. This is Ken Ham, author, speaker, and blogger on science and the Bible's reliability. All this week, we've been looking at perversions of the gospel in our culture. Now, these false gospels offer a temporary hope that things will get better here on earth, but they don't offer any hope for eternity. You see, they let the temporary things like health, wealth, and social justice eclipse eternity. Now, today is Good Friday, a day when Christians specifically remember the death of Christ. And Sunday, we'll celebrate Christ's resurrection from the dead. It's these two events that give us eternal hope. Christ took our penalty of death for us when he died, and he defeated death when he rose from the grave to give us eternal life in him. There's so much more to discover when you visit our website at AnswersRadio.com and subscribe to receive free daily email insights from Ken Ham when you visit AnswersRadio.com.
from Wretched, and it says, if you think you're afflicted, and this is featuring, um, it has a Johnny Accidentado that everybody talk about, and she, um, the Christian lady who, um, broke her neck when she was, like, young, like, I think it was a teenager, and that's what they're going to talk about, she's in a wheelchair, here you go. Here is a woman who was afflicted and who learned God's statutes and who has seen all of the benefits that suffering has wrought. Listen, very, very carefully. You're, you're going to hear her rattle off a laundry list of benefits of affliction. Hi, I'm Johnny, and I am shaking my head wondering, how did I get here? 52 years in a wheelchair is a, a long time. I mean, even Jesus thinks so. In John chapter 5, the Lord was at the pool of Bethesda. Remember that? And he stopped by a man on a straw mat who had been paralyzed for 38 years. And it says, quote, When Jesus learned he had been in this condition for a long time. That's what it says in verse 6. And when I read those words, a long time. I mean, tears filled my eyes. Because, man, if Jesus thinks that 38 years of paralysis is a long time, what do you think of 52 years? Yeah, I think he probably says it's a long time. And so do I. And, yes, every day I'm wasting away. Uh, you've heard about the recurring cancer and those new problems with my lungs and pain. And our bodies are just fragile. What? I am still on the growing side, the strong side. Because like the Bible says, I'm growing in two directions at the same time. Outwardly, I'm wasting away. But inwardly, man, I'm being renewed day by day. My body may be unraveling, but my spirit, my, my, my measure of faith, and my assurance of salvation, my sensitivity to sin, my confidence in the Word of God, my hope of heaven, compassion for others with disabilities, my love of Jesus... Everything about my spirit is growing. Sure, I'm weaker physically, but I grow stronger spiritually. Deep, great trials bring with them deep grace from God, all of which enlarges our soul's capacity for Jesus. And that's what I'm celebrating on my accident anniversary. She's celebrating her accident anniversary, not because the affliction has been fun, but because the fruit has been so profound. God has grown this woman in ways, <laughs> we look at somebody like that and we think, I could never be there. Well, that's because we haven't spent 52 years in a wheelchair like she has, and she could have grown bitter and sour and quite angry at God, but instead she realized it was good that I was afflicted, that I might know your statutes, that I might love Jesus more, have greater sensitivity to sin and pride, and long for heaven. What the world would be like without wretched. Wants this. Please become a wretched gospel partner. I had a show. Uh, someone 
corner of glass or juice, but the top comes off. <laughs> and I said, nobody wants this. It says, um, I want you to um, give it to Wretched. Um, they uh, have a great ministry and go to wretched.org, W-R-E-T-C-H-E-D.org. And you should give to them and donate to them. Um, oh, yeah, I want to remind you that um, I started, well, I started it years ago, but I didn't advertise it. Um, I have a Patreon uh, page that you could give to help me um, pay for a show. It cost me about $39 a month. I know it doesn't sound like a lot, but for me, I'm low income, so it's, so it's a lot for me. So if you could help out. Um, you go to patreon.com forward slash radio. That's patreon, P-A-R-E-O-N dot C-L. Then patreon.com forward slash radio. And so if you could do that, I'd appreciate it. Um, there's different tiers. There's the $5 one and there's $20 one. Um, the different tiers is like you said, um, uh, for a five hour one, you get to be on our, um, we're going to have a Patreon, uh, page, and then that one has, like, credits, so show you on there, and then the other one is, um, $20, get to be, uh, have your name on, advertised on our show, to mention that, and, um, that is... Well, that that's so it's excluding things that might be uh, if someone has like a nasty name. Like I, I'm not sure if anybody would have that anyways. But still, um, we get to choose. So if I don't think the name is appropriate, then I won't say it. And that's like saying something. I mean, just like a name, any name. Like okay, and um. Let me see. Uh, so check that out at patreon.com forward slash truthbetoldradio. Look it up, patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N. And I hope you all give today. And thanks for listening to Truth Be Told Radio. And what I'm going to do next for you is going to play. This is uh, from what? It's uh, known as WWTT. When we understand the text, I'll AK that too. And uh, they have a website at www.tttt.com. And also on our YouTube page, that's where I get it. It's uh, www.tt. And then they also have one that they have more stuff on, longer things. It's uh, called www.ut text. www.ut text T-E-F-T. That's, that is that. Okay, here we go. This is um, Coronavirus Prophecy Exposed here on Tributory. Good. 
During the coronavirus pandemic, Dr. Michael L. Brown, radio host and apologist for the charismatic movement, said, I believe in prophetic ministry today, recognizing that every word must be tested. Some well-known charismatic prophets have spoken of a major change or shift concerning the virus by the end of the Passover season. You barely have to test this prophecy to see it's vague nonsense. Things could get better or worse. And these guys would say, see, a major shift. This is called a shotgun prophecy. Take a shot at a month or season, scatter some unspecific terms, and whatever happens, your prophecy was just broad enough, it's going to hit something you can take credit for. COVID-19 exposed every modern-day prophet and faith healer as a fraud. Bethel Church in Redding, California, who claims to heal the sick, told their faith healers to stay away from local hospitals. In January, Sid Roth had 20 of the most high-dollar prophets on his show Supernatural to give their predictions for 2020. Guess how many predicted corona? Zero. Sean Bowles had to postpone his prophecy tour. Shouldn't he have been able to warn us this was coming and schedule his tour for after the pandemic? Do not be taken by these snake oil salesmen. Jesus said, beware false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing but inwardly are ravenous wolves. In 1 John 4, 1, we are told, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. For many false prophets have gone out into the world. When we understand the text... And like I said, that's WWTD, when we understand text, and check that out on our YouTube page at WWTT, and also on our website, www.utt.com, www.utt.com. And thanks for listening. This is me, Lucy Cantrell, your host for Truth Be Told Radio, and what I'm going to do is I am going to play, this is from... Uh, Living Waters, Ray Comfort, uh, Christians, Evangelist gets shut down three times. Contemporary atheists have got a silly argument where they say they don't think there's an afterlife because after you die, you go back to as you were before you were born and you didn't know anything then, and you don't know anything after you die, which is ridiculous, because before you were born, you didn't exist. When you die, you do exist, and that's the big difference. Do you think there's an afterlife? No, I don't. Why not? Uh, because I know what it was like before I was born. No, you don't? Yeah, I do. What was it like? Nothing. How do you know? Because I wasn't there. Well, if you weren't there, you don't know it was nothing. Uh, That's true. That's totally true. Be very careful when you listen to people testify to the fact they had a near-death experience. They didn't die. They had a near-death experience. And human experience is so subjective. People who are in surgery often have very powerful drugs in their system. Besides, some people don't see anything. Some people see themselves from above the table. Other people see bright lights. Don't go on human experience. People lie. People can be easily deceived. Go on what the Word of God says. And the Word of God says it's appointed a man once to die, and after this, the judgment. Well, I don't believe in an afterlife. I believe we go somewhere after we die. Well, that's an afterlife. After. I suppose so, yeah. I mean, you're, I, I believe that you're conscious for it. Yeah, I did actually. I died um, from basically alcohol poisoning. I had a .428 when I came, came to in the hospital. So how do you know you died? Uh, my heart literally stopped, and they had to actually pump me back up. 
Isn't that just a stopped heart and you're still here? Well, my physical body died. I didn't. Yeah, I kept going. Do you believe in the soul? I, I do believe in the soul, yeah. Do you believe in an afterlife? Yeah, I would, I would believe in an afterlife. I don't know. I have no idea. I don't know what the origins of the universe were. It could be an alien. It could be nothing. It could have been a flash. This could be multiverse. It could be a whole bunch of different things. You don't know? No. I, no, totally not. It's very common for human beings to say nobody knows if there's an afterlife, which is a ridiculous statement because that means they're omniscient. They know what everyone on Earth knows. The best they can say is they don't know. They don't know what 8 billion people know and don't know. And I don't think any—I don't think you know for sure. <laughs> can't say that because you don't know what I know. Well, that, that's, that's also true. Our currency has in God we trust written on it. What does that mean? Hmm. Uh, it means uh, that our forefathers put a, a ancient religion on their money. Our country was founded on Christian principles. Honestly. So it's founded on Christian principles. That's why God's on our money. But what does it mean? In God we trust. Do you trust in God? No. Do you trust in anything? Uh, yeah. Uh, what, do you, what do you trust? I trust in the sun rising. It doesn't rise. Well, yeah, I know. We're floating around it, but from our perspective, it seems... But it doesn't rise. The sun never rises. The earth turns. Right, of course. So what else do you trust? Uh, I trust that. I mean, I, I trust in myself and my girl. I trust... You trust yourself? Trust in gravity? Yeah, I trust myself. Your judgments? Yeah, for, for the most part. I mean, we're all, we're all, we all make mistakes. Spell the word shop. Shop? Shop. As in, like, uh, I'm going to go shopping? Yeah, spell the word shop. S-H-O-P. What do you do when you come to a green light? Uh, you stop. Just in case you miss that, you don't stop at a green light. You go at a green light. The Bible says he who trusts his own heart is a fool. So do you trust in God? I trust in a higher being that makes the decisions. I don't know if it's... I, I mean, I would like to say that it is God that's making the decisions, but, I mean, like, we don't know who it is. I, I we don't know. trust in God. Yeah, like, I, I trust... Say that again. I said I don't trust in God. Now, why not? Because as far as I've seen in my experience, God is indifferent. Yeah. Creation's indifferent. Like, a God... Like, the... A God that most people uh, worship is an invisible friend in the sky. Are you I, an atheist? Uh, I would say more like agnostic... So you don't know? I don't know. I would say leaning towards atheists. I don't believe in a biblical God. There really is no such thing as an atheist. There's only a fool. The Bible says the fool has said in his heart there's no God. Every time an atheist looks at the heavens, he intuitively knows God exists because the heavens declare the glory of God. Romans chapter 1 says the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even as eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Are you an atheist? Yes. Correct me if I'm wrong. You believe the scientific impossibility that nothing created everything? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean... Scientifically impossible. I don't, it can't happen. I don't know about scientifically impossible. I mean, like, like, like you said, anything's possible. Well, nothing can't create anything because it's nothing. So for nothing to create everything, flowers and birds and trees and puppies and kittens and the seasons and fruits, male and female and all the species marvels of the human eye, nothing creating everything. It's not only scientifically impossible, it's ludicrous. There's no scientific evidence? Like, you can't really... Of course there is. Think of your scientific evidence in about 30 seconds, maybe 40. I mean, go for it. Buildings cannot build themselves. Every building is scientific proof there's a builder. Science just means knowledge. When you look at a painting, what proof or what evidence is there there was a painter? The painting itself. Yeah, the painting is absolute, 100% scientific evidence there was a painter. 
creation proves there's a creator. It's scientifically impossible for creation to create itself. But then how do you describe mountains? Who created those? God created the mountains. Are you sure? Yes, absolutely. The Bible says so. All things were made by him. Without him, nothing was made that was made. But what is, difference be- what is the difference between God and Mother Nature? Nature is what God created. He set it into motion. Nature can't create anything. See, that's right. That's right. I, I disagree. I think that nature can be God. Just because I don't believe in the uh, Jesus Christ being the second coming doesn't mean that I don't have a relationship with what you call God. And you have to think about Father Time, too, because who controls time? But you'd have to think about, okay, well, time honestly controls itself. Like, we can control time ourselves. So, like, if you were the person to, like, control, because you, you could set your clock forward a whole hour, and now you're living a whole hour ahead, even though everybody else well, is living an hour behind no, you. No, that's not true. Time doesn't change. The clock changes. Exactly. What you're talking about is the measurement that we call time. Time itself is linear. This? Do you think God is happy with you or angry at you? I think God is indifferent. I don't think that God passes judgment like that. People that think nature is God, uh, or God is nature, are what's called pantheists. Gods and the flowers and the birds and the trees, the sun, the moon, the stars. And the reason that's attractive is because nature has no moral dictate. It doesn't tell you that it's wrong to commit adultery, to lie, steal, fornicate, blaspheme. So the God of the Bible is offensive, according to Romans 8, verse 7, because of the moral law. The sinner doesn't want God's moral government, and so he chooses nature as his God. It's called idolatry. What I'm, tr- I'm trying to address your earlier question on whether um, God created the mountains or whatever else. I think that nature and God are one in, in the same. You know what that's called? I don't. It's called idolatry when you create a God in your own image. I did it before I was a Christian. I, my God was a snuggly, cuddly God that had no sense of right and wrong. A celestial Santa Claus, a kind of divine butler who didn't exist. Sure. It was a figment of my imagination. When you go fishing, you go with bait. Bait attracts the fish, and I bait the intellect, and then I swing to the conscience. So it's very important when you go fishing, take the bait and the hook. The hook is the moral law. You have to swing from the intellect, the place of argument, to the conscience, which has the knowledge of right and wrong. And you do this by doing what Jesus did in Mark 10, verse 17, and as Paul did in Romans chapter 2, when he said, You who say you shall not steal, do you steal? You who say you shall not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? That changes the dynamic puts the sinner on his back foot because it changes from an intellectual argument to a moral argument, and that's the problem with a sinner. He loves his sins. I've been addressing your intellect. I would like to change the dynamic and speak to your conscience. Is that okay? Okay. Do you think you're a good person? Overall, yeah. Yeah, Do you think you're a good person? Of course. Joey? Yes, of course. How many lies have you told in your life? Uh, Several thousand. What do you call someone who's told several thousand lies? A liar. So what are you? Uh, a sometimes liar. Now, have you ever stolen something even if it's small in your whole life, irrespective of its oh, value? Of course, everybody has. What do you call someone who steals things? A stealer. No, a thief. thief. <laughs> oh, okay. It's okay. So, what are you? Um, I guess I could be a thief. It's no, you're not. A, a lying thief. That's, you nailed it. Yeah. Have you ever used God's name in vain? Would you use your mother's name as a cuss word? Certainly. For all day. Oh, well, not, my mom's a punk. I, my, Liz, well, my mom isn't. Liz, Liz you're a punk. I will say it straight <laughs> to the camera. You are a punk, and I have used your name in vain because of you. I haven't. Hi, mom. <laughs> Boy, you've just broken the fifth commandment and dishonored your mom. Well, I don't take I don't take the Bible as law. I don't care what it has to say. Have you ever heard the saying, "Ignorance of the law is no excuse"? The, I, I understand that, but like it's it's a spiritual law that weird people listen to. I I don't. Right. I just don't care. That's right. When you use God's name as a cuss word, he's the one that gave you life, and his name is holy, and the Bible says it's called blasphemy. 
punishable by death in the Old Testament is that serious. There's one more to go. Jesus said, if you look at a woman and lust for her, you commit adultery with her in your heart. Have you ever looked at a woman with lust? Of course. Yes, of course. You had sex before marriage? Yes, yes. Now, Jesus said, if you look at a woman and lust well, for listen, her... I, I got I to gotta go get two back. Two minutes. I got to go, go, go get back with my family. Your wife said you could have five minutes. Okay. okay. I know it's getting hot in the kitchen. Jesus said, whoever looks at a woman and lusts for her has committed adultery already with her in his heart. Have you ever looked at a woman with lust? Oh, of course. Sex before marriage? Uh, no, we're not married. I don't so, believe in marriage. So, Andrew, I'm not judging you, but you've just told me you're a lying thief, a blasphemer, a fornicator, and an adulterer at heart. Yeah. That's why you don't want to believe in God. I said, oh, if God judges you by those commandments on Judgment Day, you're going to be innocent or guilty. Well, I've actually died, and I didn't see any kind of God judging me. Remember, he didn't die. He's still with us. It was just a near-death experience. Let me just ask you another question. Okay. If God judges you by the Ten Commandments, would you be innocent or guilty? I'm not answering that question. Well, oh, I'd be certainly guilty. Heaven or hell? Uh, hell. Now, does that concern you? No. Well, Andrew, it may not concern you, but it horrifies me. You may not realize this, but I, I really love you. I care about you. You too, man. And I care about where you spend eternity. Tell me, what did God do for guilty sinners so we wouldn't have to go to hell? Do you know? common for people to put in the comments, why are you sharing the gospel with this guy? He's proud and arrogant. Well, let me just explain. I'm not really sharing the gospel just for this guy. I'm sharing it for the me, unsaved people that watch these videos. Uh, yeah, I know. He uh, made some weird system where he made himself into himself and sent himself to the world and killed himself to himself so that way we wouldn't have to go to burn because of him creating sin. Boy, if I had your theology, I'd be an atheist. <laughs> yeah. Really well, bad. I mean, I was a Christian for a long, long time. So you knew the Lord? Oh, yeah. I mean, I... I so he's real? So you knew the Lord? Oh, yeah. I mean, I... I so he's real? No, no, I mean... So of you course. didn't know the Lord? Oh, yeah. I was under a weird illusion. There is a dearth of understanding of the contemporary body of Christ about the reality of true and false conversion. Jesus spoke of it many times. So if you would like to study that... I go to livingwaters.com, listen to Hell's Best Kept Secrets at the bottom of the homepage, and then listen to True and False Conversion. So you were deluded. And oh, it, and it, so that's called a false conversion. It happens to a lot of people. Let me just give you correct theology. God was manifest in the flesh, the Bible says. God became a human being to take the punishment on the cross. I don't believe you. So you wouldn't have to go to hell. I know, that's why I'm talking to you. And if you'll repent and trust in him who died on the cross, rose again on the third day, God promises to remit your sins and grant you everlasting life so you can lead your beautiful partner there and that child that God gave the ability to make into a knowledge of everlasting life. So you've been a real sport. I know you wanted to get away, but you had the courtesy to stay and listen, and I'm so grateful you did. And he knows me as an individual, and we are good. You know what I'm saying? Like, if he wanted to take me, he would have. Otherwise, I would, we wouldn't be having this conversation. Well, I've got to say, that's not right. The Bible says he's not willing he any... to think so. Well, he loves you and doesn't want you to perish under his wrath. He wants no, to give you mercy. Not. And this is why, I, like, I respect him as to, to a point where I can. He's the but, same like, as a cuss word. You don't respect him. Of course I do. Like, he made me... Yeah, like, I do. I don't respect God at all. And if there was really if there was really that type of God, a holier-than-thou, smite me down first... Um, what am I looking for here? Uh, Old Testament-type God that would smite me in my tracks? I would say, let's go. I dare you. Let's do it. Because you know what? I've actually been there. I have died. And I didn't see a God or a devil. I went out into the universe, which is part of nature, which is the God that I believe in. You're asking me questions from a book that a human wrote. I don't believe in that book. You do. It's very important to realize our agenda was given to us by Jesus. So we should give them the gospel as we've been commanded to do. And when someone is born again, God opens the eyes of their understanding 
so they can see the scriptures are indeed the word of the living God. Unless you were really just like malice. Yeah, like we wouldn't create, that's the thing, we wouldn't commit murder. Like, and that, I mean, if you wanted to put that as like a sort of placement of who was good and who was right, then like that would make us still good and innocent in our, in our sense. Because like, if we were to die based off of who we are negatively to God, then we would have been gone. We wouldn't even be having this conversation. CJ, you know we're good people. Death is evidence that God is serious about sin. He's given you oh, the death sentence. Oh, and he's died. This he's, is why this is Well, he's point. given you the death sentence. The wages of sin is death. So I've got a question for you. That's, that's Guys, actually, that's a loaded question because death isn't proof of anything on God's part. Is death is inevitable. Death is a part of nature. Yeah. Guys, you may not realize this, but I love you, I care about you, and the thought of you ending up in hell horrifies me, and that's why I'm talking to you. Do you know what God did for guilty sinners so we wouldn't have to go to hell? Have you any idea? I do. Tell me. I mean... We don't have to get into it, but at the same time, like, if I was really guilty, I'd be worried for myself, but I'm not, only because I know I'm a good person. I have to do things that just more or less don't agree with what God deals with every single day, and it is okay, because he created me as he created you, as he created everybody else that's walking on this pier right now. Everybody has different, like, you know, motives, they have different everything, so, like, things that you do is not going to affect me, and things that I do should not affect you. That's right. You know what I'm saying? If God feels as though, okay, that's completely out of the wrong, you have to go. He's going to make sure that that happens. And either I'm going to go here or I'm going to go there. And it doesn't really matter where I go. It's just the fact that I live life. And I did it based off of what he created. So, CJ, Christ died for our sins. He took the punishment. Mm -hmm. We broke God's law, the Ten Commandments. Jesus paid the fine. That's what happened on the cross. That's why he said it is finished. CJ, if you're in court and someone pays you fine... Even though you're guilty, a judge can let you go. Yeah. He can say, this fine's paid by another, you're out of here, Absolutely. even though you're guilty. And God can let you go, he can dismiss your case. He can let you live forever legally because Christ paid the fine on that cross, Absolutely. rose again on the third day. And what you have to do is repent of your beloved sins, let them go, and say, create in me a clean heart, O God, and he will, because Christ died on the cross for our sins. Amen. And he'll, he'll, he'll create a new heart in you, and your faith will be in Jesus, and you'll pass from death to life. And that's what it means to trust in God, I'm trust absolutely. alone in Jesus. Does that make sense? It does. God trusted me to be like, all right, you do the absolute individual you that you can. It doesn't matter how you... I already know that you was going to... That I made you like this. God doesn't like, use filthy language. Of course to, not. No, actually, you would, yes, think that, you would think that he wouldn't, but okay, like he nature, does. Nature, he, he created the words for us to use. Otherwise, we wouldn't have known how to use them. You know guys, what I'm saying? Guys, you've been very colorful, and I've really enjoyed it. And, and Joe, thank you for listening to me. I know you didn't agree, but you had the courtesy to listen. And I hope you guys will think about this, because you don't know when you're going to die. You could die tonight, and we're talking oh, about course, eternity. Yeah, I, so. I'm a big believer in living each day to the fullest. And I, I respect your views in whatever God that you want to worship. Absolutely. Now, the, the Absolutely. difference between you and I is that what I view and what I believe, is it's going to stay with me, and your views aren't going to change that. I will still maintain every same ounce of love that I had for you before this, you know. So, I mean, you, we can have different views. We can still be friends. Right. So, will you think about what we talked about today? Well, I don't think that what we talked about is really applicable. What about you, Joe? It's very indifferent, only because you have different perspectives than what I do. So, like, if you want to jump into a conversation where we're talking about different views, then let's do it. But other than that, like, I cannot be swayed as to what you believe versus what I'm going to have you believe what I believe. Like, I'm not going to try to sway you. That's not the point. You asked me for my perspective, and that's exactly what I gave you. Well, I'm trying to sway you into everlasting life. So, guys, thank you for listening to me. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. No problem, man.
Never be discouraged when someone says, I'm not going to change. We're all like that. The Bible says there's none that seek after God. All you're doing is planting the seed. God draws people to himself, and your methodology will be dictated by your theology. If you realize that God is sovereign, that no man can come to the Son unless the Father draws him, then you'll realize that salvation is of the Lord. And all you've got to do is plant the seed of the gospel, the word of God, in the hearts of sinners, and God is faithful to watch over it and bring an increase. Always keep in mind to be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Now here's something that will help you grow in your faith. Read the word daily using this amazing one-year devotional, Jesus in Red. For more than 48 years, I've read the Bible every day without fail. I thought every Christian did that, but sadly, many don't. So get into a habit you'll never regret by reading the word daily using this beautiful little devotional, 365 readings based solely on the words of Jesus. There's nothing like it. Get it through Amazon, livingwaters.com, or at your bookstore. That was from Living on Waters, their YouTube uh, channel, L-I-V-I-N-G-W-A-T-E-R-S, and they have a website, livingwaters.com, so check that out. They have um, more, they have uh, resources, they have gospel traps, they have uh, different things there, so check it out, please, and, and thank you for listening, me and Wilson Cantor here on Trippy 12 Radio, and what I'm going to do is we're going to uh, go out with Yancy and his friends and the VR Billy, that's all for, I got for the show today, so bye for now. <laughs>